0: What's up, and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by Bill Rossetti, the host of Locked On Panthers, as we prepare to preview this weekend's game between the NFC South rival Buccaneers and Carolina Panthers. You can check out everything that I'm doing over at bucksnation.com and follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks at JYarco underscore Bucks. And please check out everything that Bill is doing over at the Panthers Wire and on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Bill, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, James. Glad to get this going with you. Ready for big NFC battle. You know, I'm, I'm, I always love these crossover episodes. It's always nice to get to talk with the other hosts. So, yeah, definitely excited to hit you up for the first of two meetings.
0: Yeah, well, and and the other one's right around the corner because they play again, what, the first weekend in December, right?
1: Yeah, it's not not too far. It's like week 13 or 14, something like that.
0: So Yeah, it's pretty close together here. Yeah, it seems like it took forever to get to the first one, and then we'll have the second one before you know it. But, Bill, kind of talk about what's been going on with the Panthers recently. It seemed like they were dead in the water against the Eagles a few weeks ago and had a huge fourth-quarter comeback they win again against a very difficult Baltimore Ravens defense last Sunday. Um, you know what's kind of going on there? The Panthers seem to be kind of, kind of a surprise team. Not a lot of people were picking them to be as good as they were. You know before the season. You know all the talk was the the Saints and the Falcons, but you know kind of talk about what's been going on with the Panthers. What's been clicking with them?
1: I I just think they're. Uh such a complete team right now you know the the offense is really starting to improve you could really see north turner start to really expand his offense and really gel with cam newton you know i've talked about how i've really been impressed with how north turner has been able to mesh his con, you know, kind of his old school style with cam newton's kind of new school style because north has never really had um really mobile quarterback like he has now with cam newton he's always had kind of that drop back type passer so it's really been nice to see how he's evolved cam newton and how he's really incorporated a lot of the players in this offense you know it's not just McCaffrey and bunches you're seeing a lot of players get involved so the offense has really been surging and in the defense you know we know they've always had a strong front four or well front four but front seven uh the addition of Eric Greed I think, was just kind of that finishing touch to make their defense kind of a really complete defense. You know, Eric Greed has, you know, he hasn't really taken the team by storm, but he's definitely played very well. You know, he's, he's really stepped up. He he should have had an interception against the Eagles. Uh, you know, he, he's – and you can see kind of that veteran leadership, I think, kind of play off on guys like James Bradbury and even rookie Dante Jackson, who both are having good rookie se- or good seasons themselves, uh, including Jackson, for a rookie. So really it's just, you know, it's, it's such a strong roster right now, top to bottom, I think. And like you said, the last two weeks they've really clicked, and it's really been one of the reasons I think that they're so successful and that they're sitting in a position that they're in right now is one of, I think, only four teams in the NFC with five wins
0: yeah they they've certainly just seem to have it all together and and I know a lot of the talk, especially among you know Buck's Twitter, was that the Panthers weren't really a team to worry about because it didn't seem like outside of of Christian McCaffrey there was anyone to worry about as far as the offensive weapons and it seems like Cam has done a really good job of just kind of spreading the wealth, spreading the ball around so there's there's nobody that really Takes over that that one guy to fear, you know. The way the the Saints have Michael Thomas and and the Falcons have Julio and the Bucks have Mike Evans, the Panthers don't have that guy, but it still seems to be working for them, which is what I think has has made the Panthers such a dangerous team.
1: Yeah, you're right, and I mean, I would say one of the more underrated free agent signings uh, across all of the league this year has been Jarvis right. He's really been that huge chain mover for the Panthers. You know, he, he's become just a, a reliable set of hands for Cam Newton. Really really someone that he's putting a lot of trust in on third down. And then DJ Moore kind of had his coming out party last week against the Ravens. You know, he, he said you know, this first game with five catches, uh ninety yards receiving was the most all season. He also added about forty yards rushing in that game too. So they really got him uh, they really utilized him in a number of ways. You're really starting to see the flashes that made him such a highly coveted receiver and made him uh, the first receiver taken off the board. So, like, like you said, there's there's really not one guy that I think you can key in on. Uh, I mean, there was even concern about Christian McCaffrey going in. You know, could he could he actually run between the tackles like like a true workhorse back, or is he just your bounce out to the outside, running back your receiving option out of the backfield. He's really involved, evolved his game as well because you can just tell he seems more confident and more excited to run between the tackles. Uh, they're constantly feeding him the ball. It, it, it's just a plethora of weapons right now, and I think it's just, you know, it, they're, it's, they're quietly becoming one of the more dangerous offenses
0: in the NFL right now yeah and, and speaking of dangerous offenses we're going to flip over to to the Buccaneers side and it, it's amazing that the the number one offense in the NFL has a quarterback problem uh Jameis Winston coming off of what I would say is the worst game of his career throwing those four interceptions in Cincinnati and it, it's already been announced. I'm not sure if you saw the news. It's It's been hard to avoid yep. um, that Fitz magic is back and, and he will be the starter for the Buccaneers against Carolina. And when I was prepping for the show, I noticed something really interesting. I was, I was taking a look at, at the kind of the setup for the game and it had the passing leaders, receiving leaders, rushing leaders, all that. And Fitzpatrick has 60 fewer completions compared to Cam Newton. He has 96 fewer yards on those 60 fewer completions. They have the same number of passing touchdowns and Fitz has one more interception. So there does seem to be a little bit of, of confidence for the bucks heading into this game that, well, if, if it truly is the Fitz magic that we saw in the first three games, despite, You know, week three being a loss to the Steelers, he had a rough first half, but then still almost brought them back. He almost brought them back against Cincinnati. You know, the Bengals had that last minute drive to get the game winning field goal. You know, a lot of Bucks fans are starting to feel like they might have a punter's chance in this. If if that connection with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson is there, you you've seen the defense the last two weeks they do still struggle. They're, they're not, you know, an elite defense by any means, but you're starting to see them trend upwards now after the firing of Mike Smith, that they're starting to really clamp down. You know, the Bengals had 307 yards, of total offense in the first half. And then they were held to 95 in the second half. The Bucks defense got four consecutive three and outs. And the only points that the Bengals scored offensively was that field goal as time expired. So there is a little bit of that that shift now the Bucks fans are saying, well, if they can go into Carolina, if Fitzpatrick can get that magic back, you know, and the Bucs win this game, they're right back in the thick of the of the playoff discussion, two and one in the division, a 500 record halfway through the season. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of uh a lot of very uh trepid optimism among Bucks fans right now with Fitz under center.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting question. Is with Fitzpatrick coming back, were those first two games kind of a fluke, or are they going to kind of get back to where they were? And you mentioned the playoff race. I mean, it's very tight there for that second wild card spot. You know, the, the Buccaneers are are sitting at three and four. The second wild card right now is only four and three, and that's the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, you you've got a host of teams within. A game of each other, so there's a lot of room for movement. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of questions left to be answered as far as, you know, shuffling for a position. And you know, you win, you win a game like this. That's going to give you confidence. And you know, tiebreakers could come into play. Like you said, they win this game. That's two and one in the division, which, you know, in, in a division like this is huge. They've already beaten the Saints, so you're, you're you've already beaten. Uh, the two, really the two best teams in this division. So, you know, if you can somehow pull out the victory in this one and get that confidence back with Fitzpatrick, I mean, you know, anything's possible because you, you look at the teams there in front of them, you know, Seattle still has their weaknesses, Chicago, can they stay in what they've been doing or, or are they going to get caught by the Packers or the Vikings in the division? Uh, you know the Eagles have been up and down at four and four, but they just made a big trade for Golden Tate. Uh, and even the teams that they're tied with at three and four, like Dallas, Detroit, I mean, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies there uh, as, as far as the teams that they're in the mix with. So you know you get that little bit of a spark, you know, in in such I don't want to say a weak NFC, but definitely a wide open. I, I guess that would be the, the better term, wide open uh, NFC wild card picture. You know, we, we've we seen anything's possible, and, you know, if they can maybe get to nine wins, they could sneak in if if things work out in their favor. I mean, like I said, tiebreakers could start to go their way if they can steal this one.
0: Yeah, well, in the early line, of course, you know, the Panthers are the home favorites at, at minus six and a half with the 54 and a half point over under. And,. Bill, I don't know if you're a betting man, but of course, we have to give a shout out to our friends over at MyBookie, because if any of our listeners want to put some money on the game, the only place to do it is with MyBookie, because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why we always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is insanely easy to use. We would only recommend recommend a service to our listeners that have been good to us. That's why we urge everyone to make their way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Join MyBookie now and enter promo code LOCKED ON, and you will be given a dollar-for-dollar bonus. That's right. Every penny that you deposit up to thousand dollars, and my bookie is going to match it. Just visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use promo code locked on when creating your account to claim your dollar for dollar bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Bill, what are you expecting to see out of the Buccaneers on Sunday?
1: I'm going to be really curious to see, you know, because, I mean, we, we know how strong their their wide receivers are. We know the passing game looks like it's going to improve with Fitzpatrick in there. I mean, you you can make the argument that they have one of the top wide receiver trios in the league. You know, you, you mentioned Evans and Deshaun Jackson. I'm a huge fan, too, of Chris Godwin. Oh, yeah. Um. Part, part of that is because he's a fellow Penn State guy, so I got to show some of <laughs> my Penn State you. But, I mean, look, the, the guy is just ridiculously talented. And, you know, so with – and Captain Bungerland's a bit banged up, uh, so I'm going to be curious to see how he practices this week. You know, if he can't go, it's likely going to be Corn Elder. That is going to be a position where, you know, I'm going to be – I'm going to be really intrigued how the Buccaneers attack that with their three wide receiver sets and running the ball. You know, because the Buccaneers have struggled to run the ball a bit. Uh, I've, you know, it's been weird how Ronald Jones, for as good as he was coming out of the draft, how he's been off to a slow start. But you know, I, I think I've seen they've been he's been getting some opportunities of late. Uh, so I'll I'll be curious. How they uh, how they handle the run game and how they attack him and you know some of the other guys there against that Pan- Panthers front front seven and you know even just the interior D tackles. So um, you know I think if the Buccaneers are going to win this game, they've got to have that Fitz magic. I know we I know we say that a lot, but that's really what it's going to come down to is Fitzpatrick getting kind of that passing magic back and getting his wide receivers involved. You know, I I think a guy like, you know, I'll be curious how uh, the Panthers' defense matches up against the Buccaneers' receivers. You know, does Mike Evans get shadowed by Bradbury or, you know, or do they flip him a little bit? You know, I, I think that's going to be the intriguing thing on offense for me is how does this Panthers' secondary handle three very, very, great receivers? And then you added the Titans, is not even talk about the tight end, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brace. I mean, you put a confident quarterback there, this is uh, an outstanding, talented offense that can be tough to match up with. So, you know, it's, it's not a gimme. This is certainly not a gimme game, I think, for the Panthers, especially on defense.
0: Yeah, well, and, and, and you mentioned all the pass catchers. As far as the run game, <clears throat> it has started to get going a little bit more since the bye week uh Peyton Barber is coming off of a season high in both carries and yards against the Bengals Ronald Jones doesn't sound like he's going to be a factor he had a hamstring injury in the game sounds like he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks so it's going to be a heavy Peyton Barber workload you'll see a little bit of Jacquez Rogers probably a little bit of of rookie Sean Wilson who's been inactive since Rojo started being activated um but yeah, it's it's going to come down to the the competent quarterback play uh, of Fitzpatrick and, and utilizing guys like Evans, Djax, Godwin. Uh, he doesn't use the tight ends a whole lot. OJ Howard's uh, numbers with Fitz have come more with his legs than than anything else. Uh, he does look for for OJ here and there, but Fitz is a very wide receiver heavy quarterback whereas Jameis is more of the guy that would spread the ball around he would utilize all of his receivers he would try to utilize Deshaun that connection was just never there um, but he relied heavily on Brait and OJ and Adam Humphreys on those kind of short to intermediate routes you know taking what the defense gives him The the deep ball just hasn't been there so it'll be interesting to see how how uh, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin decides to try to attack this defense because you do have to worry about making sure Fitz stays upright and the Panthers' front seven, as you said numerous times, uh, especially keekley who can he can come at you from every angle possible. You have to be able to make sure that Fitz can get the ball out of his hands quickly. As far as as what to expect out of the Panthers, I think and I know it's it's so cliche to say. It comes down to the legs of Cam Newton. It seems like every time the, the Bucks and the Panthers face off in this Cam Newton era, the Bucs can shut down the pass catchers for the Panthers, and Cam just continues to move the ball by scrambling, picking up those first downs, getting those yards. You know, they they just don't seem to have an answer for them. And with Quan Alexander missing, from the middle linebacker spot it's going to be even harder to try to keep him contained and keep him from you know running for a hundred yards in this game so that's the the big thing that I'm looking at how are the Bucs going to be able to contain Cam and not let him run through the defense and pick up those easy first downs that he does so well with those legs and try to you know, contain this, this Panthers offense. Cause that's, that's the number one thing that I look at. I look at McCaffrey, you know, receiving the ball out of the backfield. I look for, for Greg Olson to, to get those, um, you know, those, those clutch receptions that, that he's so good at. And then I look for Cam to really just expose the middle of this Bucs defense with those legs.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Cam, he's not doing it as much. It seems he, they, it seems like they've kind of, um, pulled the reins back a little bit as far as him scrambling, but when he scrambles, it seems like he's more effective when he, he scrambles. And, and like you said, you know, he, for a lot of teams, it's, it, it's become just very difficult to stop cam, especially with all the weapons that they have now, you know, he can't really, it's really hard to spy on him. I think, uh, a lot harder now than it was in years past. So, you know, like, like you said, he's he's definitely the fa- – I mean, you know, you're right. It's cliche to say it comes down to the quarterback, but, uh, you know, especially for an offense like the Panthers, it, it really does. Cam's the one that is making this offense go. So, if he's if he's on his game, if he's scrambling for those first downs, then it's going to be a very difficult time for this Buccaneers defense to – contain him which is going to maybe pull their attention away from McCaffrey and then he's going to beat you out of the backfield and then someone like Devin Funchess can beat you deep or Jerry's Wright can beat you over the middle I mean there's it, it's just become like so many ways uh, for the Panthers to beat you but you're right it, it does start the, the number one option is number one is if you know what I mean. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Cam Cam's the big one. Cam's uh you know, you keep him upright and I'll say this too. You know, the the offensive lines for as many questions as there were going into the season, they've done a really nice job kind of staying intact and protecting Cam Newton. I mean they didn't give up a single sack against the Ravens, which is really impressive considering they came into the to week eight leading the league. So you know, it, that's going to be another key thing, I think, for the Buccaneers. They've got to get that pass rush going. And I know there's some, you know, you, you have the talented pass rushers there. You've got a good rotation. But can they can they beat guys like Chris Clark and Taylor Moulton? Because if they can't, it's going to be a long day. You know, they, they've got to try to do what the Ravens could not, and that's sack Cam Newton. The Ravens got pressure on Cam Newton, but they never brought him down. The Buccaneers have to get to Cam Newton. Or they're in trouble.
0: Absolutely, and it's something that that they've had trouble with. Jason Pierre-Paul. I I will forever love Jason Light for acquiring Jason Pierre-Paul because this is a this is a team that has not had a double-digit uh, sack player since Simeon Rice, and Jason Pierre-Paul is now two sacks away from hitting the 10-sack mark, and the Bucks have only played seven games. So if anyone's going to get to him, it's going to be JPP. But I'll tell you what, yep. in the absence of Vinnie Curry, Carl Nassip has stepped up tremendously. He's, he's a huge get for the Bucs. So it will – it's going to fall on them pretty heavily because it looks like Vinnie Curry and Gerald McCoy are both going to be in doubt for this game. Vita Vea, there was a fear that he tore his ACL. The MRI was negative. So if Veya's out, McCoy's out, you know, Vinnie Curry's out, this, this Bucks defensive line could be in a real, real rough shape headed into Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's big time. You know, lose McCoy, you know, and I know he's been kind of trending downward, but he's still – a top-notch player in his position. So not having McCoy is going to be brutal. Uh, and it, it sucks to see Vita Vea already dealing with the injuries he has, you know, even going back to training camp. there's There was some worry about him. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that that's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, Vinny Curry being out, we know he was he brought over strong pass rush from the Eagles. Uh, so yeah, it, it seems like it's going to have to fall on JPP. Uh, I I don't know how you know you could fill me in on this role because I haven't really seen a lot of him. Noah Spence, uh, how much he's kind of been, a,
0: how effective he's been this season. But you know that that's, that's he's that he's been completely useless. <laughs> he's he's actually that's been a healthy different. scratch more often than he's been active.
1: Wow. Which which is surprising because I mean you know coming out of coming out of college there was a lot of hype on him uh, and he had a real good rookie season you know it, it kind of quelled the laughter if you will of them trading into the second round to get Roberto Wild. but now the fact that he's been slipping now you're looking at that entire second round as a, a complete dud so oof. Yeah, Sounds not like not uh, great. Line.
0: All right. Well, Bill, we're coming up against it. So before we get out of here, we gotta we gotta throw out our prediction. So I'll let you go first. What's gonna be the score on Sunday? Who comes out on top?
1: Yeah, after kind of talking about how they're banged up on the defensive line and how they're gonna struggle to get past rush, I just see Cam kind of Carving up this defense a little bit, you know, and and they're back home again. You know, second straight week at home. They're going to be fired up. It's only their second division game, uh, and they and they're 0-1 so far in the division. So they're going to be hungry for that first division win. So I'm going to say, I mean, I'll I'll see if gets a couple in there, but I'll I'll go with 31-21 Carolina.
0: Okay. Yeah, I um, I think it's going to be hard to contain the Bucks' offense, but I also feel like it's going to be one of those games like we saw when Mike Smith was still the defensive coordinator in Tampa that the one time the Bucks' offense doesn't score, you already feel like it's over because that's how it felt for so long. The Bucs, you felt like the Bucs had to score on every possession or they had no shot at winning. I get the sense that we're going to have that kind of feeling on Sunday. So very similarly to, to how the game ended this past Sunday for the Bucs, I see this game coming down to a field goal at the end of regulation, and I will take the Panthers to win, which pains me to do so because I have despised the Panthers since the Jake DeLome days. Um, I will take the Panthers to win 36-34. to 34. Uh, over the box to get that first division win for them. And I don't know why. It's a very unnatural hatred for the Panthers because it seems like nobody in this division has a real true rival because they were all kind of thrown together at the realignment. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I've always just really despised the Panthers, and it goes back to Jake DeLome. Yeah, you know,
1: and there, there's definitely been some history – between these two teams, like you said, not really necessarily natural rivals but um they they definitely have have had some good games against each other uh you know last season kind of turned the notch up a little bit when you had that little shuffle, I guess it were between uh Thomas Davis and uh Adam Humphreys so you know oh, yeah. interesting to see what kind of comes out of, you know if anything happens with them or if if some other players get into it, because I mean, division games are always heated. But like you said, this is one of those weird divisions that it's not really—you know—you look at any other division and you have your natural rivals: Eagles, Giant, or well, Eagles and anybody in the NFCs really—Steelers, uh, Ravens, uh, Chiefs, Broncos, you name it. But yeah, you know, the NFC South, you're right, was just kind of plucked together. I mean, the Panthers used to be in the NFC West for crying out loud. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> And and their state borders the Atlantic Ocean, you know the the NFL, the NFL is not necessarily uh, geographically smart. Let's put it that way.
0: Right, right. But, uh, you know, yeah. This
1: position has some good games for sure, and good good moments.
0: Yeah, because this is a this is a team, you know, in the Bucks that used to be in the black and blue division. You know, you had that great rivalry between Brett Favre and Warren Sapp and and you were facing off against the Vikings and the Bears. And, um, you know, watching Barry Sanders just destroy this defense for years and years, even when the Bucks defense was elite, Barry Sanders found a way to just dominate. Um, so then, yeah, you get thrown in with the with the Falcons and the Saints and the Panthers and you're like, well. I guess I don't like them, but I still really hate the Packers. Um, yeah, that's just kind of, that's kind of how it went. But Bill really appreciate yeah. some of your time.
1: Oh, those say Packers that last part again. Right. I said those Packers Bucks games. Those were the days. Yep. That, that was like a classic rivalry. Green Bay, Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, Oh yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Those were some, those were some great days. But yeah, Bill, we're we're up against the clock, so we're gonna get out of here. Thank you so much for for joining me, and doing this little preview. Uh, really, really uh, enjoyed the conversation.
1: Yeah, James, it was uh, great being on with you. You know, like I said at the at the top of the show, always great to do these cross. This, this is the one. This is the part of the week that I really look forward to most, besides the game or these crossover game or these crossover days here on, on the network. I, I really enjoy talking with uh the other hosts and you know especially on a game like this one you know division rival big big division game here so yeah it was a great chat with you man too for sure and uh looking forward to doing it again in a couple of weeks
0: oh absolutely absolutely and of course all of you listening you can check out everything that bill is doing over at the panthers wire make sure that you're checking them out on twitter at bill underscore rossetti uh, you can check out everything that I'm doing over at bucksnation.com, and you can follow along on Twitter at jarko_bucks and at lockedonbucks. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here on Crossover Wednesdays.